Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. The Bible reading today is taken from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. Um, when I finish reading, I would say this is the word of the Lord you are to respond with. Thanks be to God. Verses 1. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike, they will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from, of, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians evade our land and march through our fortresses. We will rise against them, seven, seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with, with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, who do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which mouths and mangles as it goes and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Good morning. Is this the morning, guys? Yes, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Yes, um, so glad to have you guys again this Sunday. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Um, I know there are a number of new people who are so glad to have you. This is your first time joining us. Maybe your first time physically. We are glad to have you join us um, finally. Thank you for making it here. Um, you see, for a number of weeks now, we've been doing one long series like that. Um, so today is a new series. Thank God, right? I may always feel relieved. <laughs> we? Yeah. Oh, you know, Jonah. Okay. Nice. So I was going to do the old, um, the old thing, like the old, you know, since I just concluded series, we considered so so and so from the book of Jonah. We we're able to see that, but I'm just going to skip that. I know some of us are not having that. Um, you know, at GC, yeah, someone in GC WhatsApp group, someone wrote that, thank God that Jonah is finally over. Now use, now use cross to cross the final list. <laughs> so I know. But don't you want to know what happened at the end of Jonah? You know Jonah did not end well. We don't know. Uh-huh. You see, we don't know what happened to the guy. Did he really repent? Did he change or did he not change? Did he die or did he not die? Um... Or the Assyrians, the people of Nineveh, 
did they really repent? Or did they go back and kill? You know that was Jonas' fear. Did they go back and kill Jonas' people? Do you guys want to know? Yes. I have things to. <laughs> but, and I understand, Sha. I understand. Um, Jonah preached to the Assyrians, people of Nineveh, 40 days old. We, we preached 12 weeks out of the, <laughs> out of this and Wednesday. We, we do, we do, we do much. We do much. So, <laughs> but God blessed us, I know. I know. So, this series uh, is a new one. So, we're starting fresh. And we've titled it, Is Coming. So, who is coming? Who is coming? This is December. Who is coming? Is this Santa Claus? Or is it Father Christmas? It's Father Christmas that is coming. Yeah, but you know this is COVID year. Is there really Christmas this year? Someone says, ah, there will be Christmas. <laughs> this year, like, like it's... I, I know, I don't think there's Christmas this year. You know, many events have been cancelled this year. Many things that are cancelled. I don't know. Somebody who said that he's supposed to make it this year. COVID postponed. <laughs> <laughs> So Christmas too, uh-uh. you can't postpone it now. You can't postpone Christmas. So we'll just come like this year, due to global events, especially the global pandemic, um, several things have happened. So Christmas has been canceled and postponed to you. the next year. There is no joy to the world that anything. anything. <laughs> There's no arc any arouts. No arouting anything. Mary did not know anything. Mary did nothing. <laughs> No little town of Bethlehem. Mm. Especially, especially as I saw that, especially as I saw that Zenith Bank never even decorate a hotel. I told you there's no Christmas this year. I told you, Jamie. It shocked you. <laughs> but guys, he's coming. He's coming. The reason for this season is coming. He's coming. There is no pandemic that can stop him from coming. There is no famine. There is no war. There is no power. There is no government. There is no riots that can stop him from coming. He's coming. Revelation 1 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. He is coming. Jesus is coming. I thought Christmas is that this season is because he has already come. Abby? Yes, that's true. But it is also because he is still coming. You see, in many Christian de- uh, denominations, especially in Western denominations, this season is called Advent. Like we've titled this season, we said he is coming, Advent series. Advent refers to the time of expectant waiting for both the celebration of the coming of Christ at Christmas and the return of Christ at the second coming. Verse 8 of religion, what does it say? It says, I am the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. So we're talking about both in this series over like four sermons from different prophets, Old Testament, that Jesus is coming. The greater than Jonah is coming. And you know what? The way that this new series begins, in this first sermon, though from a different angle, it's still kind of about the Assyrians. I'm sorry. Sorry to be. <laughs> but this time, somebody is coming that will finish them off finally. But who is coming? 
The shepherd is coming. The shepherd. The shepherd. And let's start with someone. The shepherd is coming. You see in verse 2 of Micah 5, that the word he just read for us, it says, Out of you will come a ruler over Israel. Verse 4 says, He will stand and shepherd his flock. Verse 6 says, He will deliver us from the Assyrians. A shepherd? A shepherd will deliver these Assyrians, these fearsome, these wicked Assyrians, a shepherd, not the military, not a warrior, a shepherd. Yes. You see, we may not get it today in our climb, in today's world, but you see, in the Near East, the Far East, where um, the people of Israel lived, they understood their rulers, they understood their kings, they understood their gods to be shepherds. The king, as a shepherd, and as a representative of the gods, was expected to rule with justice and to show kindness in counseling, protecting, and guiding the people through every difficulty. That is what a shepherd meant to them. So even in scripture, even for the people of Israel, when Moses was blessing every tribe, look at what he said in Genesis 49, verse 24. See what he said. When Moses was blessing them, Moses referred to God as shepherd, the rock, deliverer. So he's there. In fact, the greatest king that Israel, people of God, ever had, the greatest king they ever had, David, right? Greatest king ever. He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. That was his occupation before God chose him. He was a shepherd, literally. And so I didn't stop there. This guy went on to write the sweetest, the most beloved, the pearls of all the Psalms. The most beloved Psalm of all. See what, what Beecher says about the psalm. See what he says. He says, it has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remained to their dungeon more felon thoughts. Remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sown courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains, and like Peter's angel, led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master, and consoled those who dying he left behind mourning, not so much that he was gone, as because they were left behind and could not go to. This is how precious. The description of the shepherd, this powerful psalm was. This is Psalm 23, it is. And many of us know it bad. Many of us have memorized it, even if we don't know many other parts of the scripture, but we know this psalm by heart. Even non-Christians know this psalm by heart. They love them. Psalm 23, how does it go? He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want us to read it together. I don't want us to read the NIV version of the message. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. <laughs> and so, I love the message. But I want us to read the KJV version. I want us to read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It may to lie down in green pasture. Inside the still waters, it restores my soul. For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ever. Amen. And ever. And ever. Anointest. Restore it. Lead it. <laughs> you see, when you read the psalm, you see, this is, is look at how, look, remember those times you've prayed that psalm even unconsciously, when you were in danger, and that was the only thing that could come to your mind. Remember who, have used, who has used that psalm to lead you forth, off to school, off to marriage, off to your new job, or just praying it every night or praying every morning. Could you, could you, could you again sense how loving, how kind, how comforting. This shepherd is, David felt it. Can you see it? You see, this is the shepherd that we all need. This is the shepherd that has come, and this is the shepherd that is coming. Because every other shepherd is going to take advantage of us. <laughs> Before I start preaching from Psalm 23, and you guys will be wondering, and then PF will be watching me and be like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I am the pastor that is coming for you. I just want you to see Jesus today. That is just why. I just want us to see Jesus today, this morning. I want us to see where this shepherd is coming from and what this shepherd is coming to do and how he will come and do it. That is what I want us to see this morning. So this shepherd is coming from where? First, this shepherd is coming from where? You see, this is something we're familiar with. You know, someone walks up to you and he says, Sister Shola, Sister Shola, I was led by the Spirit to come and tell you that you're my wife. How many of us have? How many? Who is Sister Shola here? Sister Shola, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I, Sister Shola, can you just repeat? Just for confirmation. The Spirit is moving. <laughs> oh, Brother Bucci. The Lord leaded me to come and tell you that that car is not your car. It is the Lord's. It's the Lord's. You see, we, we laugh or we get angry. And then we say, stop saying I was led. Just tell me that you like my car and I will give it to you. What is that? Stop telling me that the Lord leaded. Hey, hey. Just tell me you like me and then we can see what can happen. Yes, I'm not sure. We're not sure about the spirit or whoever is leading. But there's something about the leading. I want us to consider. You see, because something must lead a man. Something must lead a woman. Whether you like it or not, even though you don't choose your leaders intentionally or what leads you intentionally, you must be led. You must be influenced. Someone will influence you. You must be shepherded. You see, we find tales of motivational speakers, of people that started from nothing to something, from zero to hero. We find those tales, we find those tales sweet and daring. This is Lagos. Like Emmanuel showed us last week, it's progress. I'm here, but I come to, I'll not come to Count Bridge. How am I going to, you know, ride on that bridge? And then, this pandemic, this could be there. Lockdown never starts. Maybe lockdown just started like two days or three days. 
I just saw someone online. Poster. Venue. Seminar. Seminar. Venue. Zoom. Amount, 25,000. Topic, how to thrive in a pandemic. Pandemic, are we not in this pandemic together? Two days inside this pandemic, how did you know how to thrive? <laughs> Even if he has read everything about still ways, let's see how this pandemic is going to be. Or they always, like these sweet talkers, and this is not motivational, motivational speaking or just kind of speaking, as it has its merits. But then there's awareness pushed to the when it comes so phony. You know, they always have a certain amount in their account. You see, that's what it is. That's what it is. I had an amount in my account. That's how it starts. And it says, they don't, have, they don't usually have round figures. When you watch this CNN marketplace or you watch African Voices, it's like I just woke up one day and then I saw that I just, I just looked to myself and I said, how can I have, I just, I just saw in my account I had 252 Naira. It's never 250 or 1,000. No, it's not pure. Maybe 90 Naira, 60 Kobo. And I said, no. Enough! I'll pull myself up by my bootstrap. How can you pull yourself by your bootstrap? That's even lie. And then he goes. And he goes for it. And then he tells us how he goes and goes and how he makes it. You know, we love it. We love it. It's dream. Even if you castigate it, there's something about that grass to grace story that moves us. And we are shaped by it, whether unconsciously or unconsciously. You see, but this is just one of the shepherds that shepherd us. This is one of, just one of the people that, this one, just one set of people that shepherd us. You see, a few years ago, Ada Consulting released the report. And then what they tried to do was to show the sets of people that had the greatest influence on our culture. And I think that report holds much water, especially in a place like Lagos. And he just did these categories, you know, people that had the greatest influence in our culture. And then you now have like the most influential people in our culture, most influential, that wins most influence, that lead the most, that shepherd the people the most. The first, celebrities. Celebrities of all kinds. They are the most people that are the most influential people. The second set of people, entrepreneurs, that wins most influence. The third set of people were bloggers. But I think now maybe you had social media influencers because bloggers. It's not working out for them like that. <laughs> so you are those people. Before you now get to the fourth, where you now see people like pastors, the fourth, like those who are supposed to be like doing real shepherding. You see, these sets of people, as the report is going to show in different ways, these are the people whose words we are taking in. These are the people whose lifestyles we are following. These are the people whose hashtag goals. We are molding our lives after. I say, no, you don't. But this is what you see continually over and over again. You don't know. Subconsciously, indirectly, it begins to shape what we want, what we desire, what we think we need. They have what we want to have that we don't have yet, and then we want to have that. Guys, let's not even talk about the shepherding of algorithms. You see, how a platform like Facebook makes you see only what it wants you to see. And then you begin to see certain kinds of views for days, for weeks, for months. And then you begin to think in a certain kind of way. You begin to reason in a certain kind of way. 
And then over years, you begin to become a certain kind of person. Always seeing things in a certain kind of way. Unconsciously, intentionally, we are being shepherded by algorithms. You get, you, 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 you talk to someone, then you get, you talk to someone, you know, this is probably like, you talk to someone about, um, about getting this kind of shoes. Just talk to someone, just chat to someone. And then next thing you see, all over, everywhere you go online, you just see shoes, shoes adverts, shoes adverts, shoes adverts. Shaping how we want to spend our money, shaping the things that we want to get and acquire. Oh, you don't know. You're not buying the shoe now, but you don't know the day when you're going to get the shoe, you would not know. Somehow, all of this is working to shape how we live. We can even get down traditional and go way back and say, all of this is kind of, this is kind of offline. But you've been having an argument with your husband, and you guys are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then sometimes you just pop up. And then you just realize, you just say something, or then you just say, ah, it's not even about whether you're wrong or whether you're right. Maybe she's even been wrong. Maybe he's even been wrong. But you will not accept because that is how he has been raised. It is how his family has done it all the while. It is what he's seen, is what he's used to, but then he's moved in that. He's been shepherded in a certain kind of way. Or with your colleague at work, you will not see from view. Or somebody in church, you will never see the way you see it because that is the church in which you grew up. That's how they always did it. You see, the problem is many of these people that shepherd us, many of these influences, many of these leaders, the shepherds, are here today and tomorrow they are not. You see, many of the things that they say may be true here, but it may not be true elsewhere. Many of the things that they say may be right, validated, and relevant here and today, but it may not be validated and relevant tomorrow. But every day, we follow these, these subliminal cues, these algorithms, these shepherding values that are not that are not timeless, that are not universal, that are not self-evident. Thousands of them all over shaping us, coming from different sources, everywhere we go, everywhere we move. And most of the time, we don't know it. You see, we will be constantly shepherded. The question is, who is going to shepherd us? The question is, who are we shepherded by? Are we going to leave it to unconscious forces? We are going to submit to a shepherd that cares, a good shepherd. Look at verse 2. Different kind of shepherd. Verse 2 of the text says, Out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah will come out a ruler over Israel. He said, this guy is from of old. He's from of old. The first thing in verse 2 is that this guy, this shepherd, that's going to come and rule the people, is from of old. Though in verse 3 he says, he will be born, but he's from of old. He's from ancient times. The other two times that we find this from of old in, in the Old Testament, you find it in Habakkuk 1 and you find it in Deuteronomy 33. See what Habakkuk 1, verse 12. See what it says. It says that, O Lord, my God, my only one, are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my only one. You see, to say from of old means that this shepherd is from eternity. This shepherd has actually seen it all. No cap. This shepherd, is been, this shepherd has been there, done that. This shepherd has been, even before things can be seen, before things can be done, ancient and wise, before pandemic or pandemic seminars, before books and Facebook, before couple, before couple goes. The things that he says, the life that he lives, the life that he lived, the life that he continues to live, has been relevant since 
and will always be relevant. So what verse 2 says? Verse 2 says, so, so what verse 2 also says? It says that out of Bethlehem, he is coming from Bethlehem. A little town of Bethlehem. I will never, I don't know why, I did not get it in person. You know the tune, he, he, I don't know the tune, but you know the carol. I'm trying to sing that carol. It's only two town of Bethlehem. Oh God, no hope. See, see, little town of Bethlehem. Let me show you how little this town is. How small it is. It's a small Bethlehem. Look how, look how Micah talks about it. You see, after the people of Israel had conquered, and then Joshua was the leader of the people, and they were counting, oh, all the places that we've conquered. Let's number the cities. Let's number the towns. He numbered all the cities, all the areas. They did not count. He did not mention Bethlehem among all the cities and towns that they counted. That was that small. You know how many cities and towns he counted? He counted 150. He did not count Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not worthy enough. It was not significant enough. But look at what Micah is saying. He said, out of this insignificant, out of this unknown place, that is where this ruler will come. Nobody expected this ruler, this rescuer, to come from such a place. You see, this, and this is the story of Jesus. This is the story of this shepherd. You see, you know why we love, there's a reason. There's indeed a reason. There's a true reason. There is a valid reason. Beneath all of the reasons why we love grass to grace stories, there is a true reason. It's because this this, reason, this is about the true story. This is about the best story. This is about the greatest story ever told. The story of the shepherd Jesus. It was Christ, the great story. You see, but it is that it is only a story that is true. Most other stories are not as true as is. How? You see, no matter, regardless of the grass to grace story that you've heard, all the grass to grace stories that you've heard always end in grass. All. The man, the man... Is nobody. He did nothing. He had nothing. No family. No money. No anything. He started. Capital. You know, capital is the Greek word for head. So when you want to start a business, you don't need money. Don't need money. That's what I would say. Don't need money. What you need is capital. Once you have capital, business. So this man had capital. He had everything. And he built it up from the scratch. And he became something great. But no matter how great the man was, all of them, all of them, think of anyone, any woman, they all went like this to like this, and they all came like this. Die, grass, manure. Jesus' story, the story of this shepherd, this shepherd is the only one, oh, who went, it's from of old, he's ancient and wise, he's been before he was born. He went from grace to grass to grace forever. This is the shepherd that has come. This is the shepherd that is coming. Is this the shepherd you are waiting for? Is this the shepherd that you are waiting on? See, the next point. The shepherd is coming to do what? What is the shepherd coming to do? What is the shepherd coming to do? What is he coming to do? You see, verse 6 of the text, chapter 5, verse 6 that we read, it says that, he will deliver us from the Assyrians, these wicked enemies. He will deliver us. You see, but from verse 10 to 15, which we did not read, goes on to show us at least four practical ways that he does this and more. Because, truth be told, the Assyrian problem is not just an external problem. You see, yes, they are besieged. 
by troops. They're besieged, verse 1. You see, but what had brought his opponent was sin. What had brought his opponent was disobedience. The people of God at this time, they've experienced a long reign of prosperity. They've experienced so much peace, so much, that they had become complacent. They had become chilled. You see, they still followed God. In their account, they become dormant. They still follow God, but they still followed all their gods too. At the same time, they were serving two shepherds or more at the time. You see, they were successful on the outside, successful on the outside. But inside, as Michael was showing from chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, there was rot. There was a huge mess in their, in their cities, in their economy, in their churches, in their houses. Huge mess, spiritual mess, cultural mess, social mess. But they have become self-sufficient. Self-sufficient as a people. Self-sufficient individually. You know, some of us, we can see that outside. We see. You've set goals and you've met them. Somewhat. somewhat. I mean, some of us have set goals and we've met them. You've aspired and you've acquired. You are not the goats because you have goals. Your attitude has determined your altitude. That's what they say now. Am I not trying? I used to be a motivational speaker. But it didn't work out. That's why we're here. So... You do all of this, you are there, but deep down you know, no. There is a mess. There is huge mess. There's rot in you, in some part of your life, in some area, that you can't even share, whether with your pastor, or that you can't even tell your friends, or even you've read all these books. You've read everything. You've watched all the seminars, taken all the seminars. You've done all the courses. You've paid dollars and all. We've not seemed to help you. See? See, see what, see what Michael was saying about these guys. You see, in chapter 3, Michael was talking about all these shepherds, all these leaders, how they amounted to nothing. He was saying, he said many things about the shepherds and leaders, all the people, the, the shepherds and the leaders that they were following. He said, look what these guys will do. You see, they will come, they will say, we're not going to teach you anything, you know, if you don't give us money. We're not going to preach to you if you don't give us money. And if you give them money, they will preach peace. They will say, yes, peace unto your house. But if you don't give them money, they will say, war. He didn't stop there. See the one, see the one that was, this wasn't as graphic and so ghastly. In verse, from verse 2, you will see this. It says that these leaders will come to the people. You see, you are, see what Michael was saying? He said, you will tear the skin of people. You will tear the skin of them. Then you will peel it, you will grind it, you will eat it, you will chop their bones, you will mash it, and then you, you will feed on them. This is what the leaders were doing. And if you remember from the Jonah series, one pastor was teaching from the first sermon, it says, the Assyrians, how did they capture them? How did they do to their captives? When they capture them, they don't just keep them immediately. They will peel the skins. They will pound them. They will eat their bones and they will do all manners of unthinkable things to them. These leaders of the people were doing the very same things that the enemies were doing to them. They were that bad. You see, you watch that, you watch the vlog, you listen to the podcast, how to catch a babe or how to catch a guy, or you listen to that pastor, how to you sow seed and then you reap in abundance. Or that musician that you look up to, you want to dress like, you want to be like him, you want to live the life that he lives. But then as you try, as you keep trying, or they collect this money from you, or they say you should come for this reality show, or they tell you to do this, no, my skin, my skincare routine is just, I just drink water. You drink water, drink water, drink water, you're not fine. You get depressed. I mean, I don't know, say, so you read, I read it for one generation, maybe it's Genevieve. What's your skincare routine? Water. Uh, water, water, water do you there? <laughs> But then you get depressed because you cannot get, where they, get what, they, what you want and what you see in them.
You see, and this is where God now comes in 10 to 15. He says, see, what I'm actually going to do is to strip you of all these things they are holding on to. I'm actually going to cut off all these things that you are depending on. I'm going to cut them off. All these shepherds, all these shepherding values, all these leadership things, all this, I'm going to cut them off. This is the only way you are going to experience true flourishing. This is the only way you are going to experience true good. And what is it starting to look at in verse 10? It says, I will cut off your horses and chariots. Hey, some months ago, some years ago, we studied as a GC the book of Micah. Anybody remembers? The book of Micah, if you remember. And then we got to this chapter 5. I have it here. I have it here. And this, this and we got to the part where we studied this 10 to 14. And then this guy, great guy that wrote this, he's a great guy. Good shepherd, good shepherd. His name is Stephen Orm. You know, and if I tell you where he comes from, you will know that he's a great guy. This guy is the pastor of City Life Church in the U.S. City Life. How many of you remember City Life Church? Okay. You watched last week's service. You will get it. He's the pastor of City Life Presbyterian Church in the U.S. And see what he did. He starts to break it down, make it clearer to us. Verse 10. You see, when God says, I will cut off your horses and chariots, look what he's saying. He said, God is saying that he will take away their military power and the ability to fight for themselves. And so this morning, if you want to yield yourself to this leading of this good shepherd, of this shepherd that can bring about flourishing, you want to ask yourself a question here and now. Where do you draw strength and resolve from? To who or whom are you looking for power? Verse 11, see what it says. God says, I will cut off their cities and strongholds. Stephen Holmes says it means that, A, cities represented safety. So God is saying, I'm going to take away your places of retreat and refuge. So you should ask yourself, what, who am I looking to for security? Who is your true refuge? Ah, is it a fixed deposit? Is it a dollars account? Is it treasury? Oh, is it the buildings that have been looted this year? Oh, is it the goals that you've set that COVID has blown away? Verse 12. So this is, I will cut off their sorcery and fortune tellers. Stephen Holmes says it means he's going to take away their source of security and control. Oh, so you should ask yourself, how do I attempt to control the future? How? What do I worry about? What do you worry about in your future? What is it that you're worrying about? That, hey, 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 the outcome of that thing, ah, if it doesn't just pan like this, you are finished. What is that thing that your future happiness lie on? Look at verse 13. Look at the last thing. What says, I will cut off your carved images. Oh, Stephen says, it means that God is going to separate from them. You see, all the idols, all the allegiances that is separating them from God, he's going to take it away. So you should be asking yourself, who in my life, who in your life, do you need for things to be okay? If I don't have this person, or if I don't, if I've not gone, hmm, it cannot be okay. Things cannot pan. What family setup? What organizational setup? What is it that you have arranged? Apply if it's in shift, if the one deck of card falls, you will not be fine. What is that thing? God, was, God says, do you want me to cut them off? Because until then, you will not experience true flourishing and true rest. Guys, but that is not enough for God to do. Like, that is not enough. 
He said, but I will go out and I will go do this because God knows. See, verse 1 is, is making jest of them. When Micah says, marshal your troops, when Micah says, you city of troops, actually he meant daughter of troops, daughter of troops. God is making jest of them. Ah, so you say you, are, you, are, you have troops, you have military. Oh yeah, now they are besieged you. Go and fight. God was saying, you are at the end of yourself. And he's saying, he doesn't want to, he's not going to leave you that way. He's not going to leave you that way. But how is he going to do it? How is he going to do it? And what does he see? The shepherd is coming to do how he's going to do it. How he's going to do it. That's our last point. How is he going to do this? You see, in verse 4 of chapter 5, see what it says about the shepherd. Chapter, verse 4 of chapter 5. It says that, you see, the shepherd, he will stand. Can we have the text up? He says, he will stand and shepherd his flock. Hey, he will rule his people. See, he will, chapter, verse 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. And what? And they will do what? And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Hey, look at this shepherd. He would, he would do everything. He said, out of you will come a ruler over, he said, from Bethlehem. He said, will come a ruler for me. All those leaders, all these shepherds of the world, it's for their own belly. It's for what they will eat. It's for what they can get. He said, but this one will come for me. He will stand and guide the flock. He will lay down his life for the flock. He will do whatever it takes for the flock. This is what it means. This shepherd, he will stand. You see, there was a time when I was very young, and, and I was like, and armed robbers are besieged. Our area. It was in Surulere many years ago. Besiege our area, besiege our compound, doing things, troops. People that have to do, uh, we should come and get our, our street and environment. All of them, I number not go. <laughs> Everybody's holding his own troop inside your house. They entered, they entered, though we know that they're already coming. They're already coming, they're near, near our apartment. And my dad, there were many women, there were many women in the house because my mom, my mom's sister, aunts, everybody around, man. Some people were already pissing on themselves. People are just going to toilet up and down. Every second, you know, you know fear. You know, you know when you know that there's nothing that we can do. So my dad was saying, okay, you guys just go inside. He locks them in. He did as if there was nobody else in the house. And then he just went out of the room and the parlor and he goes to the passage and he's just waiting. And when they come in, we could just, we just started hearing, I think, gone, eating him, just started hearing, beating him, slap, blah, blah, trying to, no, this is like, this is it, like, there's nothing else, I put everything out, there's nobody, there's nothing, what do you want to do, there's nobody, there's nothing, but we just, hey, as you say that, he's trying not to cry, he's trying not to wail, so that we will not be terrified, but we can still hear, and that went on for a few minutes, and then until we could not hear any sound at all, I think they now had to come out. For him. You see, in verse 1, you see, Micah says that, he says, this troop have surrounded the city and that, you see, they surrounded so much that they got to the point where they, they slapped the, you see, this, you see the, the way you describe it in poetic form, you see, they slapped, they struck the ruler on the cheek. Do you know what kind of emulation is that? The king of the people was struck on the cheek. That's a public humiliation. See, that was, that was, you see, but Jesus, we know, 
You see, when Jesus on his way to the cross, see, as a shepherd that was standing, you see, that leader of the people, he was struck to humiliate them. There was nothing he could do. You see, he's struck him on the cheek. He can't save his people. He was defenseless. He was useless. He was not going to amount to anything. But Jesus, we see, we know his story so well that on his way to Calvary, you know, they are stopped somewhere. The soldiers, they besieged him. The soldiers of Pilate, what did they do? They besieged Jesus. What did they do? They stripped the cloth off him. Oh, they whipped him. Oh, but they slapped him. They slapped him. They said, prophesy to us who slapped you. They spat on him. Prophesy to us who slapped you. Ah, they struck him on his cheek. He was publicly humiliated. The one who is from of old. The one ah, who has all power and might. Ancient and wise. They slapped him. He didn't respond. Gentle. And we stand and shepherd my flock. I will stand. I will, st- I will take it. They put the cross on him and they led him to where he was going to be nailed. And he was nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. There he still did not resist. He endured it to the end. Ah, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 14 to 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for my sheep. Hey, he knows the sheep. Do you know your shepherd? Do you? Do you know this kind of shepherd? The shepherd that you know, is it this kind of old? Is it this kind of loving, caring shepherd? Is this kind of shepherd that can die for you? Is it this kind of shepherd that doesn't take any money, any, any seminar fee from you to rescue you from all that you're losing, from all that you're going through in this life, from all that you see going through? Is this kind of shepherd that you're waiting on? This is the shepherd that has come. Do you know him? Ah, people were gathered in a parlor. Oh, they were doing a Bible study, a prayer meeting, and they were rounding off. And they said, Oh, let's let two people read Psalm 23 first. Let them read Psalm 23 first. Let them read Psalm first. And one man read Psalm 23. Oh, he was an actor. He had a voice, he had everything. He read the psalm, smooth. He said, Wow, wow. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. And then just immediately after him, a woman also read the psalm. An elderly woman. Oh, she read the psalm. Oh, she was slow. She was not as smooth as this guy. She just took it line by line, gradually, gradually. And at the end, hey, everyone was moved, moved, much more moved than the guy who had read. And what the leader of the prayer meeting said to them, he says, mm, brother, you know the psalm very well, no doubt. He said, but this woman knows the shepherd. Brothers and sisters, do you know this shepherd? Do you know him? Ah, do you know him? So that when you sing, only to town of Bethlehem, it's not just mere song, it's not just mere lines and lyrics. You've sung it for many years. Hey, do you do you know the child that you're singing about? When you sing, act the heralds, the angels sing. Don't, are you really acting? Are you, are you, do you feel it? My dream carol next week. Hey, joy to the world that the Savior, is it really joy to you? Or do you just know the lyrics? Do you know the shepherd that the carol is about? Do you? This is the shepherd that has come. Hey, but you see, if I know the shepherd, does that mean everything is going to go away? Does that mean I'm not going to, all these things I'm facing, everything's going to go? No, no, no. See, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was David that wrote it. Oh, but we know David was a man of great deprivation. Ah, David lacked many things in his life. In fact, maybe the time he wrote it was on the run. He didn't have money, he didn't have food. He didn't have food that believed in him. Ah, but he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want ah the things that are, that matter, the things that are necessary, the things that will give me everlasting joy and success and happiness. 
I shall not lack. God will not deprive me of them. I have it. I have Christ. I have the shepherd. He sets me sure. Do you know this shepherd? Are you waiting on this shepherd? Because the time is coming. Look at what verse 3 says. Verse 3 of chapter 5. See what it says. He says, when this shepherd come, the brothers will return. Hey, and he will join the Israelites. He's speaking of the time to come. Hey, when the shepherd is still to come. The time when Jesus will come fully. Hey, the second time when he comes. He will gather all people, all the sheep from all across the world, of all different colors, of all different origin, regardless of the kind of grass you are. Or whether you are a grass person, or whether you are a grace person, or whether you are a grass to grace to grass person, he is guiding everybody into his fold. And it will be an end to all our wants and our needs. Do you know this shepherd? Are you waiting for this shepherd that is coming? Guys, Pray to the shepherd. Can we pray to him? Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.